You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. You know, as we look at the Christmas story, without saying a word, it communicates to us. Without one word being spoken. Let's look at a few things. Let's look at who heaven chose to be the mother and to stand in as the father. A little girl named Mary. A carpenter named Joseph. People we would never, ever know or would have ever heard of had they not been chosen. Ordinary people. And look where they lived, a a backwater place in the universe, at a backwater time in the universe. Imagine the controversy that followed Mary as she raised Jesus and the whispers behind her back. Look at where he was born, in a stable, unsanitary, animals germ-infested, smelly, cold, And look at how he came. The king, the ruler of the universe, shrunk down into a six, seven pound package. And he voluntarily surrendered all of his ability even to control his own body. And look at who the news was broken to. Raw shepherds. Shepherds who weren't respected, smelly. He chose to become utterly dependent on these parents. And, and, and look at Joseph waking up in the middle of the night in a sweat and taking his wife and the baby Jesus and running into Egypt while, while Herod's marauders came to Bethlehem and slaughtered babies. He became a refugee. We think of the refugees that we see on our news reports every day. Pictures of bodies washed up on the Mediterranean shore. Pictures of people camped in tents by the thousands, cold and hungry at the borders of nations. Think of how he lived as an ethnic minority in Egypt who probably endured the racial slurs that are heard by so many people today. And as a consequence of all of these things, without a word being said, There's not a person who can say to God with integrity, you don't know what I'm going through, God. (laughs) You don't know how bad I have it. You don't know the trouble I've seen. No, he does. He chose to. Out of this phenomenal love, he chose that not one person on the face of the earth would be able to say, you don't get me, you don't love me. You know, Christianity is not a religion of the powerful and the established. Rather, it is a religion of the broken and the poor, those just barely getting by. And and we can never forget this. Christianity is anything. 
It is this indomitable force busting through the bastions of evil with one weapon, the power of love that has been underestimated since the beginning of time, always overlooked the power of love, which is unstoppable, unconquerable, and undeniable in its life-changing power. Jesus came into the world showing us this without saying a word. He left the world showing us even more eloquently the power of love. And his love is changing the world. And he is asking us to join the millions, even billions in the world who understand the power of love. There's a scripture that Jesus said in John 13, 34. Let's look at it. He said this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Let's look at it a little closely. He says, a new command. This is the only command he gives. Jesus doesn't add a laundry list of other commands. This is the single command. A new command. And then command. This is, Jesus isn't saying this is my desire. This is my hope. If you could get around to this, this would be sweet. (laughs) No, no. This is my command. That you love one another. That word is the same word. In, in, in the Greek where it's translated in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It is the akopeo, the, the agape love, the, the, the love that goes the distance, that goes to the mat. And then there's these little words in the Bible that mess us up, right? As I have loved you. Abraham Lincoln was asked, doesn't some of the mysteries of the Bible bother you? He says, no, it's the little things that I understand that bother me. As I have loved you. That's a tall order, is it not? So you must, imperative, you must love one another. He continues the next verse. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Everyone will know. Now, the reverse is implied. Everyone will not know that we are his disciples if we do not love one another. And so, and so that this wouldn't be lost, he repeated himself a number of times in the same night. This is a long discourse that takes place and John records it. Look what it says in John 15, 10 and 12. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is not optional. This is who we are. This is not a request. This is a command. And then in John 15, 17, he states it emphatically. These 
few words in one verse. This is my command. Love each other. We're to love each other. Now, we talked last week that there are some people that are easy to love, right? It's a story told of a, of a, a supermarket <coughs> stock boy named Kurt, Curtis. And uh, one day he heard um, that help was needed at the front register and he went up and there was a new girl at the register and she was beautiful. He took notice. A little bit older than him, he was 22, she was 26. And he waited around until she clocked out and he saw her name, Brenda. The next day, uh, oh, he noticed that she walked home. So the next day after work, he said, uh, hey, can I give you a ride home? And she was a little awkward, but she says, well, okay. And when they got there, he said, do you suppose we could go out sometime? And she says, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. He, he said, well, why? She says, well, I, I have two children. He said, well, okay, we'll, we'll hire a sitter. I'll pay for the sitter. And so she said, okay, somewhat reluctantly. He showed up on a Friday night to pick her up, and, and she said, I'm sorry, I can't go. The, the, the sitter canceled. He said, okay, well, let's take the kids with us. She said, I don't think that's possible. He said, well, let's take them. And so he came in the house, and he met her daughter, just beautiful little girl. And then she wheeled out her son, who had Down syndrome, and was in a wheelchair and, and couldn't go to the bathroom by himself and couldn't feed himself. He said, fine, let's go. They went to a movie. And when he had to go to the bathroom, Curtis took him and brought him back. And they went on another date and another date. And, and in time, the kids fell in love with Curtis. And Curtis and Brenda fell in love with one another. And a year later, they were married. Now, I tell you this story because on Christmas Day, a new movie is coming out, the Kurt Warner story. That's his story. That's him. And he loved these people. But it's easy to love the attractive, the lovable. Here's a letter from a little girl who's nine. She writes God. She says, dear God. I bet it's very hard for you to love everybody in the whole world. There's only four people in my family, and I can never do it. <laughs> but Jesus said, and we talked about it last week, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? What about those who are hard to love? What about those who are bent to evil? What about those who have hurt us? Does this apply to them? Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. I think I was six, maybe seven. And I had never had liver before. And we had a rule at our house. You had to clean your plate because children were starving in China. And we had to clean our plate, you know? And if we didn't, I think maybe they starved all the more. I don't get it, but that's the implication. You had to finish your plate. I took one bite of liver and wretched. I had never tasted anything more disgusting 
Amen. That's right. Never in my life. And I said, Mom, I can't eat this. She said, you'll eat it. You got to clean your plate. I I said, Mom, it, it makes me sick. She said, eat it. I said, Mom, I can't. She said, you will sit there until you eat it. I tried to use my fork and take a tiny little bit and put it in my mouth and take some milk and try to swallow it before I could, but I couldn't. I retched and I spit up the milk. I tried and I, finally I just sat there and cried. I, I, I couldn't finish it. I, every time it got anywhere near my nose, even my nose, I, I just gagged. After three hours, my grandma, who lived with us, had mercy on me. <laughs> she came in and she said, are you having trouble with that liver? I said, yes, ma'am. She sat down with a fork and she ate it all right then. Bang, 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 bang. She said, you don't know what you're missing. I said, you don't, you don't know how happy I am. You ate that. Now, When we hear this scripture, this is my command, you must love one another, you have to ask yourself the question, how do you decide to love people who are decidedly unlovable? How do you decide to love someone who hurts you or who hurts others? How do you decide to love them? How do you do that? I mean, I sat there with this plate of liver. (laughs) And if the same plate was presented to me today, I'd still struggle. I can't force myself to like it. Nor can you force yourself to love somebody who's unlovable if you think that to love them involves how you feel. Hear this. This is the most important difference between scriptural love and what our culture calls love. In our culture, if you love somebody, butterflies erupt in your stomach. Wonderful willy-nilly thoughts take place in your head. You get a little googie-eyed. You feel something. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Any more than Jesus decides to love us because he feels warm and fuzzy. His love for you and his love for me is not an emotion. It's a decision. He loves us. He acts upon it. Look at how he acted on it. He washes his disciples' feet, including Judas. Look at how he acts upon it. He separates his hands to receive spikes and he prays for them that this sin would not be counted against them. That is not a feeling. 
That's an action. That's a decision of the will. Quite often, when I talk with couples who are married and they've fallen out of love, I say to them, this is not uncommon. Most couples fall in and out of love. Most do. The key is falling back in love with the person that you're married to. And so I tell the fella, act as if you love her. Do the things you did when you were courting her. And as he does, the feelings return. But Jesus here isn't asking us to feel warm and fuzzy towards evil people. People that might mistreat us or use us or are indifferent to us. He's asking us to love them, to act as if we like them, to do the things we would do to those we do like, that we would decide to love. Look at this scripture. Paul says in Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever, <clears throat> for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now who is your neighbor? Jesus clarified that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The Samaritan was the good neighbor. And Samaritans were hated. Your neighbor doesn't necessarily mean somebody you know or live next door to. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And that is said elsewhere also. Love fulfills the law. He has called us. Those of us who have surrendered our lives to him. And if you have not, I pray you will soon. I pray you will today. We surrender our lives to him. And then we love. Some people say, well, I, I'm just not very lovable. You know, this is my nationality. And we, by national origin, we don't love like that. No, when you become a Christian, you're part of a new creation. We're called to love one another, even when it hurts, even when it's difficult, even when, especially when, we don't feel like it. Because the biggest difference between the love that Jesus talks about and the love that we celebrate in our culture is feeling. Understand this. Biblical love has nothing to do with how we feel. 
It has to do with how we act. So we love those who love us. Big deal. No problem. We love those who are difficult for us to love. We love and we forgive those who hurt us. And and I think there's one special way we love as well. And many of you are doing this. We put ourselves in a place where we are with individuals that we wouldn't ordinarily be with to love them. You might sign up to be a, a mentor for a kid. You might go to a nursing home and meet people that you wouldn't ordinarily meet, but you, you go out of your way to find people to love. I think Jesus is pleased with that. Jesus said, this is my command. Love one another. Let me ask you to bow your heads. Moment, I'll give you I'll give you a few moments to pray about this. But maybe a name will appear to your mind. Maybe a face. There's somebody in my mind that I need to to work on. My Father in heaven, it is my prayer that you will help us to love. And you will help us understand that love um, has little to do with how we feel and much to do with how we act. Several people in this room, Father, are lifting up to you names and they're saying, Lord, help me love this person. And I agree with that prayer. I pray you will help us as a people to be defined, to be known as those who love. And I pray this, Father, in the name of our Savior who modeled this so perfectly for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.